Chapter 26 Fiora didn't try to hide her amusement as the servant tucked the nude portrait of Lady Annabel under the sweater. It seemed the people of Montaigne were even more desperate to marry off King Gustav than she had been to catch a husband in a princess test. Although, she had never tried sending such a portrait ahead of time. Maybe it would have been effective. Maybe Lena had done that to catch Alaric. As much as Fiora wanted to believe the worst about them, she didn't think that was the case. Alaric had not responded well to Fiora's flirting. Or anyone's flirting. He probably would have been just as scandalized to receive the portrait as King Gustav was now. Fiora glanced at Gustav, and her grin widened. He was still bright red and trying to recover his composure. Was he truly that shy? Or perhaps just unsure how to respond as a gentleman? He had been equally flustered yet considerate when he found her on the beach. She blushed. If she had been trying to catch King Gustav's attention, that would have been a bold move. And possibly an effective one, since she had somehow ended up as his personal guest in the castle. But she wasn't trying, and it had been an accident. She didn't care about Gustav. Staying in the castle was simply the best hiding place at the moment. Although Zoe had found her in a single day, so perhaps it wasn't such a good hiding place after all. The servants brought another gift to Gustav. Another painting judging from the shape of it, but this one was much bigger. The package was nearly as tall as Fiora. It was wrapped in thick, brown paper likely chosen for durability rather than appearance. The gift was far less attractive than the rest of the brightly colored parcels and considerably more disheveled. It looks like it had a long journey, Fiora commented. Gustav nodded. Who sent this one? He asked. Princess Elspeth of Kell. Fiora flinched at the mention of her sister's name. Gustav looked concerned. It was unlikely that he knew Elspeth, so he was probably imagining another scandalous portrait. Would Elspeth try such a thing? She had never needed such tactics before. Her sweet smile and soft voice were usually enough to get her way with whatever man she needed to manipulate at the moment. Fiora shifted in her chair as Gustav unwrapped the present. He had some trouble tearing it open, but eventually managed to free a corner. A silver frame peeked out from under the paper. Gustav swallowed, and Fiora leaned forward to get a better look. A servant offered Gustav a small knife, which he used to cut away the rest of the wrapping. Then he pulled it back to reveal a floor-length mirror. Gustav sighed in relief, and Fiora sank into her seat. She wasn't sure what she had expected, but this wasn't it. A mirror seemed a strange gift to give a king for his birthday. Although it was better than that hideous sweater. It's a mirror, Marquis Corbo said. He seemed disappointed. What had he been hoping to see? It's nice, Gustav said. He also sounded a little confused. Is that what your majesty would like to send in the thank you note? The scribe asked. Of course not. Give me a moment to think. He sat down next to Fiora and looked at her. Was he asking for a suggestion? It will be helpful for trimming your beard, she signed. That's all. Nobody comment about Princess Elspeth and how the gift reflects her. Fiora's expression darkened at the mention of her sister. Gustav leaned forward. Please tell me I haven't offended you again. I usually think more before I speak. 
I just don't concern yourself about it. I often bring out the worst in people. Don't be ridiculous. He didn't seem to realize he had spoken aloud. Your Majesty, if that woman's presence is upsetting, I am sure we can find another place for her to spend the afternoon, Marquis Corbo said. Fiora stiffened. She had done it again. Said too much and been too much herself and brought out the worst in a situation. She had even managed to shake King Gustav's calm demeanor. Maybe it would be better if she left. But Gustav shook his head. The lady will stay here as long as she wants. I find her presence quite refreshing. He gave Fiora a bright smile. She returned it with a small one of her own. She had no idea why Gustav enjoyed her company, but she wouldn't ask too many questions since she needed a place to stay. So what message of thanks would you like to send Princess Elspeth? The scribe said. Gustav turned to Fiora and raised his eyebrow in a challenge. Oh, it was like that, was it? Fiora considered the mirror. It was nice, as mirrors went. The glass was smooth and clear without flaws. The frame was elegant and would suit a variety of rooms. It looked nothing like the rest of the decorations in the castle at Kell. The tiny mirror in Fiora's room had been framed in wood with bubbles in the glass. They must have imported it from somewhere. Perhaps sent someone on a shopping mission to find a suitable gift for the King of Montaigne. But why go to all that trouble? Perhaps Elspeth had set her sights on King Gustav and hoped to catch his attention and marry him. But that seemed unlikely. If they had never met, there was no reason for Elspeth to choose Gustav as the object of her affection. And if they had met, there was no need to win him over with a gift. It seemed more likely that the gift actually came from their father. King Fergal was always looking for allies. Perhaps this gift was a way to open communications with Montaigne and eventually seek their aid. But if that was the case, why send the gift in Elspeth's name? Perhaps this was the match her father had in mind for Elspeth. The opportunity he had decided not to squander on his unmarriageable older daughter. Fiora realized she was scowling at the memory and tried to push thoughts of her family out of her mind. They were done with her, so she was done with them. It would do no good to dwell on the past. She wished the hurt would go away so easily. The polite response is to thank her for such a practical gift and say it will suit the decor in your castle perfectly, as no doubt she intended. Gustav gestured for her to go on. Fiora grinned. The more tempting response is to compliment her on knowing you so well. Not everyone would realize that you find your own face vastly superior to anything a so-called master could paint. Gustav snorted in surprise. The servants stared in wonder as their king doubled over with laughter. Marquis Corbo glared at Fiora, and she gave him the most innocent smile she could manage. Perhaps we should take a break from opening gifts, Marquis Corbo said. It seems your majesty is unable to form reasonable messages of thanks at the moment. It will take months to finish at this rate. My apologies, Marquis, Gustav said when he regained his composure. But he didn't sound sorry at all. Marquis Corbo's scowl deepened. Leave the presents here in the library, he instructed the servants. King Gustav will finish opening them when he is in a more suitable frame of mind. Perhaps we should all prepare for dinner now. 
The servants nodded and returned the gifts they held to the enormous stacks of boxes. They leaned the mirror against the wall beside the sweater and painting of Lady Annabel. Your message of thanks for the mirror, the scribe prompted. I thank Princess Elspeth for a gift that is as practical as it is elegant, Gustav said. The scribe nodded and began to write. Gustav stood and offered his arm to Fiora. She hesitated only a moment this time before taking it. Chapter 27 Gustav escorted Fiora back to her room and bowed when she released his arm. I'm afraid we annoyed the Marquis so much that he let us go well before dinner. You have a few hours to spend as you wish. She nodded, not quite sure what to say to that. Or what to say to Gustav in general. She escaped into her room and sighed with relief. If no one had recognized her so far, surely she was safe in her disguise. She could spend the night in the castle and meet with Zoe in the morning to retrieve the shell and figure out what was wrong with her enchantment. Fiora considered looking for a productive way to pass the time, but decided to nap instead. It had been a trying day, to say the least. She slipped out of her dress and collapsed onto the bed. Her head sank into the feather pillow, and she sighed in silent contentment. She had missed human beds. They were so much better than the rocky ledges that mermaids slept on. She awoke the sound of knocking. Fiora tried to call to whoever was at her door. Her lips moved but made no sound. She cursed silently. Not having a voice was horrendous. How many times had she called for someone to enter a room without thinking twice about it? Not nearly as often as she had yelled for them to stay out and go away. Fiora crawled out of bed, wrapped a robe around herself, and stumbled to the door. She pulled it open and blinked at the servant who smiled at her. The servant curtsied. I'm to help you get ready for dinner, miss. A. N. D. I. K. N. O. W. S. I. G. N. S. She spelled each word slowly. At least, I know the alphabet, she said with a cheerful smile. You can spell words to me if you need to. V. E. R. Y. W. E. L. L. Fiora signed each letter as slowly as the servant had. The girl nodded her understanding. We put a few gowns tailored to your size in the wardrobe. Do you have a preference on what you wear? Fiora raised her hands to say no, then stopped herself. She might as well see what was available. If something happened, and she needed to run away, she should make sure she was wearing an expensive dress. All the gowns and the wardrobe looked expensive. Fiora blinked, taking in the array of fine fabrics and beautiful embroidery. How had they assembled such a wardrobe so quickly? A pink silk gown caught her eye. She pulled it out to study the embroidery on the sleeves. It was a different style than the pattern she had learned in Kel. More delicate and intricate. Very good, miss, the servant said. The pink fabric will look lovely with your hair. Fiora blinked. What was the girl talking about? The color wouldn't suit her red hair at all. Then she remembered her hair was black now. She could wear any color she wanted without worrying about how it might clash. She pulled the pink gown out of the wardrobe, and the servant helped her into it. Then she twisted Fiora's hair into a simple but elegant style. 
That seemed to be Montaigne's motto. Simple but elegant. You look lovely, miss. And she did. If Fiora's feet didn't ache so much, she would have twirled in front of the mirror when she finished dressing. Instead, she nodded her approval. T-H-A-N-K-Y-O-U Oh, it's my pleasure. Now which shoes would you like? Fiora limped back to the wardrobe and tried to convince herself that the pain in her feet was not so bad that she could take advantage of the lovely things the royal family had provided and wear something that suited her gown. Her slippers were still under a chair in the Dowager Queen's sewing room, so those were not an option. That left several pairs of fashionable heels in her size. Fiora selected an elegant white pair decorated with tiny pearls. Pain shot up her legs as soon as she put them on, and Fiora grabbed the servant's arm to catch her balance. She kicked off the shoes and sank onto a nearby chair. Sweat beaded on her forehead. Are you well, miss? Last it all, why did her feet hurt so much? It was the oysters all over again. Pain for the sake of beauty. Well, they could keep it. Her best efforts to be beautiful had never done Fiora any good anyway. N. O. S. H. O. E. S. Fiora signed. The servant looked concerned but didn't protest. Instead, she pulled a pair of elegant silk stockings from a drawer and helped Fiora put them on. We'll see how clean the maids are keeping the floor, she said. Yesterday one of them told me you could walk through this castle in your stockinged feet without encountering a speck of dust. She smiled, and Fiora tried to smile back. Hopefully the royal family would not banish her from the palace for not wearing appropriate footwear. She was willing to spend the night in the woods, but she didn't particularly want to. She stood and relaxed a little when the intense pain did not return. It seemed she would be fine as long as she went barefoot. Besides, the pink gown had a long, full skirt. Maybe no one would notice. Why aren't you wearing any shoes? Lady Annabelle said this as if she were scolding a young child who ought to know better. Fiora glared at her and adjusted her skirt to cover her feet. This was not a good start. I suppose we should be glad you're wearing any clothes at all. She was one to talk. Fiora wanted to make a snide comment about the painting, but that was impossible without her voice. She had to settle for a raised eyebrow instead. Lady Annabelle giggled and looked around the room clearly expecting everyone to laugh along with her joke. To Fiora's relief, the other guests either hadn't heard the comment or were pretending they hadn't. An assortment of council members, castle staff, and guests milled around the parlor talking and sipping drinks before the meal began. Not one of them laughed. You look lovely, dear, Dowager Queen Bernadine said as Thomas rolled her chair towards them. That shade of pink suits you nicely. Fiora gave a little curtsy as thanks. Dowager Queen Bernadine, thank goodness you are here, Lady Annabelle said. I feel rude not addressing your guest by her name, but since I don't understand sign language I haven't been able to ask her what she calls herself. Fiora shot a dirty look at Lady Annabelle, who batted her eyes, all innocence. Thomas translated Lady Annabelle's words for the Dowager Queen. I don't know who she thinks she's fooling with all that simpering. Dowager Queen Bernadine signed. I've seen cows with better acting skills. 
Her face remained neutral, as if she were commenting on the weather. Fiora's eyes widened in surprise, and she pressed her lips together to hide a grin. Lady Annabel watched their interaction with a deepening scowl. But we should call you something, the Dowager Queen continued. What do you prefer? What are you saying? Annabel asked. Her Highness asked the young lady what she would prefer to be called, Thomas said, reversing his role to translate sign language into speech. Fiora noticed he didn't mention the cow comment. It was probably wise to side with the Dowager Queen over Lady Annabel. If she won't tell us her name, we'll have to make something up, Lady Annabel said. Perhaps Sandy since she was found on the beach. She giggled, once again laughing at her own joke. Oh merciful heavens, Dowager Queen Bernadine signed. Lady Annabel scowled. You can speak out loud, Your Majesty. She does seem capable of understanding speech. If you wanted to be included in every conversation, you should have bothered to learn sign language, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Sometimes my voice gets tired, and it is easier for me to sign. She winked at Fiora, who fought back an ever-widening smile. No one with ears would believe that Dowager Queen Bernadine's voice was tired. She was always the loudest person in the room. Lady Annabel blinked, and Dowager Queen Bernadine turned back to Fiora. Well, what do you think? Would you like to be called Sandy after the beach you were found on? Lady Annabel glared at Fiora as if it were her fault that the Dowager Queen was choosing to leave her out of the conversation. Perhaps Mayor. Gustav suggested. Both Fiora and Lady Annabel jumped. Neither had realized that Gustav was nearby or paying attention to their conversation. Fiora shifted her weight to the balls of her feet, ready to run if necessary. Why had he suggested such a name? Had he guessed that she was a mermaid? That's a bit short, Dowager Queen Bernadine said after Thomas translated. Perhaps Lady Mare? She isn't a lady, Lady Annabel said. You can't just walk around giving people royal titles. Dowager Queen Bernadine cackled. That is literally one of my jobs. To give royal titles to people who deserve them. But she doesn't deserve it, Annabel said. She hasn't done anything to earn a title. It's a nickname, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Don't be so literal. Why Mayor? Fiora signed to Gustav. For that matter, why add a title to it? If they had guessed her true identity, she would rather know now instead of dancing around the matter. Mare means sea, Gustav said. It seems appropriate. It's better than Sandy, but not by much, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. She gave her grandson a critical look. He shrugged, and the Dowager Queen turned her attention back to Fiora. Are you sure you can't tell us your real name? I think it would save a great deal of trouble down the road. She gave Fiora a searching look, and something glittered in her eyes. Understanding. Recognition? Fiora tried to remember if she had ever met Dowager Queen Bernadine. Surely not. She would definitely remember that encounter. But if Dowager Queen Bernadine hadn't guessed her true identity, what was she trying to accomplish with her antics? Maybe she just wanted to annoy Lady Annabel. Fiora understood the feeling. Or maybe Dowager Queen Bernadine was just the kind of person who was always up to something. That seemed likely. Fiora relaxed a little. 
maybe it wouldn't be necessary to run after all. Lady Mare was an innocent enough nickname so long as they hadn't actually made the connection to her true identity. You may call me Lady Mare if you like. Lady Mare it is then, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Because you are a true lady of the sea. It was closer to the truth than Fiora would have liked, and the sparkle in the Dowager Queen's eyes set off warning bells in her head. Bernadine may not know the truth exactly, but she seemed to know something. I believe they're ready for us to go to the dining room, Lady Annabel said. She batted her eyes at Gustav, making it clear that she expected him to escort her to the table and sit beside her. Kara hurried forward. Your Majesty, I was hoping I could ask your opinion about something tonight. It was the most Fiora had ever heard Kara speak, and Kara also seemed to think it was a bit much. She whispered an apology for interrupting and ducked back into the crowd to stand beside Princess Colette. Lady Annabel's eyes followed her, as if daring her to try that again. They were worse than vultures. Fiora searched the room for Elaine but didn't see her. The other marriage prospect was either not as desperate as the rest or was playing hard to get. Gustav's eyes darted around the room. He seemed well aware that he was the center of attention. Fiora felt a pang of sympathy for all the princes she had met while competing in princess tests. She had never considered how uncomfortable it would be to have your every move analyzed while so many women vied for your attention. Lady Mayor, will you walk with me to dinner? Fiora blinked in surprise. Why would he choose her when he had so many ladies competing for his affection? Maybe because she wasn't competing or even a viable option. Young ladies fished out of the sea did not wed kings. Gustav offered his arm, and Fiora took it. She tried not to look smug, but she couldn't resist a backwards glance at Lady Annabel. It served her right to be snubbed. Lady Annabel stared back, meeting Fiora's gaze with an expression that said this was far from over. Then she rushed over to Kara, who was staring at the floor to hide her disappointment. Why did he choose her? Lady Annabel hissed. She isn't even wearing shoes. Chapter 28 Gustav hadn't expected his choice of dinner companion to cause such a stir. In retrospect, he should have expected it to cause more of a stir. He was supposed to be choosing a bride, and he had ignored the ladies handpicked by his family and council in favor of one literally pulled from the sea. He didn't regret the choice. In spite of the jealous looks and frantic whispers, he was glad to have Lady Mare by his side. He helped her into her seat and noted the way she studied the place setting. Are you familiar with formal dining etiquette? I am happy to show you which forks to use if needed. He signed the words so she wouldn't be embarrassed to accept his help. She raised an eyebrow and tapped the forks in the order they would be used. Gustav flushed. He shouldn't have assumed she would have unrefined table manners because she came from the sea. Last it all, that was a perfectly normal thing to assume. Who was she? He needed better ways to gather information about her. No matter if she was shy or cursed, the result was the same. She refused to say anything about herself. If she was shy, maybe it was just a matter of winning her trust over time. A curse would be more difficult, but Prince Stefan had managed to drop hints when he was cursed to be a frog. Surely Lady Mare could do the same. Maybe she was already dropping hints. Maybe Gustav had missed them. 
waiters placed bowls of soup on the table in a movement so synchronized that it looked like a dance. Lady Mare watched Alger Queen Bernadine, waiting to pick up her spoon until the hostess began to eat. Perhaps giving her a title wasn't such a stretch after all. She clearly knew how to behave in polite company. Had she confessed something about her identity to his grandmother? Or maybe they had met before. Was that why the Dowager Queen had invited Lady Mare to stay and suggested the title? Begging your pardon, Princess, but which of these do I use first? The question came from down the table. Dale had been invited to dinner with the rest of the gala guests, and he stared at the collection of silverware in front of him as if it were an array of torture devices. Colette showed him, and the merchant began to eat. Marquis Corbo looked exasperated by his presence. Especially when Dale's spoon slipped from his fingers and landed in his soup with a splash. Sorry. I'm not used to such fine company. My ships transport luxury wares, but I've never used them myself. What would my daughters say if they could see me now? Princess Colette hurriedly apologized to Dale for not instructing him on how to use the spoon beforehand. They apologized back and forth to each other until Dowager Queen Bernadine told them to stop talking and eat their soup before it got cold. Lady Mare caught Gustave's eye and raised an eyebrow. The gesture asked her question as effectively as words could have. Maybe more so, since it was discreet. Dale Mercer. He's a merchant whose ships were destroyed in a Kraken attack. Well, most of them were. One may have survived and he came here to investigate the report. We invited him to stay until he can learn the ship's whereabouts and find passage home. Gustav answered in sign language so Dale wouldn't overhear. Lady Mare raised her other eyebrow. You weren't responsible for the destruction of his ship. Why go to such trouble to help him? Why not help him when it is within our power to do so? She blinked in surprise, as if she had never considered the possibility of helping someone for its own sake. Given the circumstances Gustav had found her in, she probably wasn't used to random kindness. Last at all, why had she been in the ocean? No matter how hard Gustav thought, he couldn't come up with a single scenario that involved a respectable young lady naked and alone on the beach. What had happened? He raised his hands to sign the question, then lowered them. He could ask her, but what if she ran away again? Even asking her name had upset her enough to make her flee. If she was cursed, revealing information must come with serious consequences. If magic wasn't at work, had someone mistreated her in the past? Was that why she didn't trust them with her true identity? Was she running from someone? Do you like the soup, your majesty? Kara asked from the other side of the table. What? Oh, yes, it's very good. Kara smiled at him and blushed bright red. I love soup, Lady Annabelle said. The castle chef always makes the best soup every time I visit. I've had his soup before, but this recipe is new. Gustav gave her a strained smile. Thank goodness he only had to endure this for a few more days. They would go home after his birthday gala. Wouldn't they? Surely they would. Only, if he wasn't engaged by then, they might be asked to stay. That alone could be enough reason to pick a random lady at the ball and propose. Lady Mare was trying not to laugh. Gustav frowned at her. You find this funny? 
She nodded. I had pumpkin soup the last time I visited, Lady Annabel said. Do you remember that, Your Majesty? Do you like pumpkin soup? Lady Mare's smile widened. What do you find so funny about soup? Gustav signed. She shook her head. It isn't about the soup. They're trying to engage you in conversation by asking about things you like. You said you like the soup, so they're trying to use that to catch your interest. Say you like something else and see what happens. I understand that your majesty wants to make your guest feel welcome, Marquis Corbo said, but you should not exclude everyone else from the conversation. Perhaps Thomas could translate the young lady's words so everyone can have the privilege of her comments. Gustav bowed his head. My apologies. I was just telling Lady Mare how intriguing I found the seagull that visited her in the sewing room today. Wasn't it charming? Lady Annabel said. I adore seagulls. Gustav gave Lady Mare a surprised look. She nodded her head, clearly saying I told you so. Lady Mare. Marquis Corbo said. So you discovered her identity? That's marvelous. Where is your family's estate, lady? He sounded as enthusiastic about calling her by a title as he would have been to learn that Princess Colette had invited more guests to the castle. Lady Mare's eyes grew wide with panic at Marquis Corbo's question. Gustav stared into them, noticing again how blue they were. They looked so familiar, but surely he would remember those eyes if he had seen them before. It's only a nickname, Lady Annabel said. She isn't really a lady. Marquis Corbo relaxed a little. That is a little strange, don't you think? Giving her a title as a nickname. We have to call her something, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Do we? Marquis Corbo said. Why not simply address her as Miss? Or Madam, Lady Annabel said. Perhaps she's married. She is wearing a ring. All eyes turned to Lady Mare. She ducked her head and looked like she was seriously considering climbing under the table. Gustav searched for something to say to keep her from running away again. Are you married? Stupid. Why did he always say whatever he was thinking around her? It was no wonder she had run away. No matter how much he wanted to know, she clearly didn't want to answer questions about herself. Lady Mare met his gaze. No, I'm not married. She said she's not married, Dowager Queen Bernadine translated loudly for everyone. Gustav relaxed, although he didn't know why. Why did he care if she was married? He shouldn't care. He was in love with someone else. This girl's fate meant nothing to him. The thought was accompanied by the memory of a song. That sweet voice that had healed him on the beach. I understand your majesty opened birthday gifts this afternoon. Kara said. Did you receive anything interesting? It was a perfectly innocent question, but it made Gustav choke on his soup and sent Lady Mare into a fit of silent laughter. The scene was distracting enough that everyone at the table noticed. Kara frowned. Have I said something wrong? She looked to Colette for help, but Colette simply shrugged in confusion. I take it some of the gifts were very interesting, Elaine commented. She had been so quiet throughout the evening that Gustav had almost forgotten she was there. He nodded. Excessively interesting. Indeed? Lady Annabel said. 
She leaned forward, her eyes taking on a predatory gleam that made Gustav's throat go dry. Are you going to tell her you've already opened it? Lady Mare signed. Gustav shook his head. He had no idea how that conversation would go, but it was not one he wanted to have. Especially at the dinner table. Best to talk about the sweater then. Thomas, please tell everyone that I said that King Gustav received a most interesting sweater from the Ionian royal family. Thomas relayed the message. Lady Annabelle looked disappointed, but quickly rallied. A sweater? How interesting. Made from cashmere, of course. I adore Ionian cashmere. I'd like to see it sometime, Kara said. The royal tailor of Ionia is known for his bold designs. I'm sure his knitwear is quite unique. Unlike Lady Annabel, her interest in the sweater seemed genuine. Gustav vaguely remembered that she had been knitting at his grandmother's sewing circle. Unique is one word for it, he said. One of the librarians could show it to you any time you like. Oh. Thank you. Kara sounded disappointed. Gustav couldn't imagine why. He had offered her exactly what she wanted. She wanted you to show it to her, Lady Mare signed. Oh. Now Gustav felt like an idiot. However genuine Kara's interest in knitting may be, she was apparently more interested in him. No wonder the council had chosen to relieve him of administrative duties so he could focus on finding a bride. He was rather bad at wooing ladies. But then, he wasn't trying to woo any of these ladies. Still, Gustav wasn't sure things would have gone much better if he had been making a genuine effort. In fact, they might have gone worse. Lady Mare ate her soup with an innocent expression, but merriment twinkled in her eyes. You find this amusing. Gustav signed the accusation. Lady Mare took another bite and did not deny it. Princess Colette did well today, Marchioness Rouge said, filling in the awkward silence that had spread through the dining room. She is settling into her temporary duties very well. Tell me all about it, Gustav said, eager to move the focus to someone else. Colette's eyes sparkled as she told the assembled guests about her first day of administration. It had mostly involved training with Marchioness Rouge and the royal treasurer, but she had still enjoyed it. Other than the gleam in Lady Annabelle's eyes when she learned that Princess Colette was now helping with administrative responsibilities so that Gustav could focus on the gala, the rest of the dinner passed without incident. 